0: My safe word will be whiskey. Sorry, Rod, what was that?
1: Whiskey Hey, this is Steve from the Lawson Translation Parks Park Whiskey Society podcast, and Today, we have a really fun guest for you. This gentleman is an award-winning bartender with lots of competition wins on his belt. He's an advocate for Canadian-made spirits and culture. He's always having a blast on social media, cooking up cocktails, and by the looks of it, loves to drink them as well. He has been in the liquor and food industry for what probably feels like a lifetime for him, and just recently celebrated his one-year anniversary as the Canadian brand ambassador for Signal Hill Whiskey. Most importantly though, he hates maple leaves so (laughs) as much as we do (laughs) so that was really the only reason why we wanted to have him because fuck the (laughs) Maple (laughs) Leafs. Andrew Daw how are you doing my man?
0: I couldn't be better my friends thank you very much Steve and Sean thank you for uh having me on your on your fantastic new podcast here and yes you are completely right I'm not a big fan by any means I did grow up in St. John's Newfoundland we did grow up with the St. John's Maple Leafs uh, as our firm team, but I was always more of a I have to be a Canadians, Quebec Citadels, Hamilton Bulldogs fan uh,
1: than farm sure. No, that's 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 all right with me. Farm. I, I don't really consider being a fan of a farm team <clears throat> as being a fan of the NHL team. So I'll let you off the hook on that one.
0: I appreciate my you.
1: So tell you us. Um, I'd like to get into into you and your journey, and um, maybe just give us kind of the the short story, even the long story, if you want, we got lots of time, but let us know kind of where your, where your journey started in this business and, and kind of what led you to be the Canadian brand ambassador for Signal Hill and, and Crystal Head Vodka.
0: Oh, well, well, thank you for asking. Yes, well, first of all, let's have a quick little cheers and toast. Yes. Love, guys. Great finally meet you.
1: Yeah, great to finally meet you too. Cheers to that.
0: Now, as I just mentioned, I'm from St. John's Newfoundland. Um, I'm all, I'm 33 years old. I've been in the industry since I started in 19. Uh, my first job was, funny enough, started working in security uh, for a really lowbrow brow uh, dance club that was called, actually, Club Bounce back in St. John's. <laughs> <laughs> it was, awesome, it was so bad back then. I was 19 years old. Didn't know what we were doing at all. It was, uh, uh, it was so bad. Our DJ at the time, his name was DJ Flames, and he had a big DMX tattoo on his arm. You <laughs> get the big, the actual X filled in. So every Thursday night before his set, he would sit there with a sharpie and color in the X from his DMX tattoo.
1: Seriously? Seriously. seriously. That's dedication to a bad tattoo.
0: <laughs> he, wanted to, he wanted to make. He wanted to look like he was the real deal, but uh, it was so. That's where I got my start off too, and I started off in security. Uh, washing dishes in the dish pit, being a food runner, bar back as well, and then eventually just kept moving my way up. Uh, I started off doing promos. For my first front of house job was doing promos for a uh, Mexican restaurant franchise years ago called Mexicala Rosas. I uh, started bartending there as well. Eventually became bar manager. That led me to multiple other bar manager jobs in St. John's, Newfoundland, uh, you mentioned earlier cocktail competitions. I was lucky enough; I did a competition years ago in 2015 with uh, Mix It Canada. It was called Mix It on the Rock, Best Bartender in St. John's. Oh, okay. Nice. It was my first time ever doing something like this, and it was an eight-hour-long, three-stage competition with 22 other bartenders, and somehow I ended up coming out on top. I was—I always, uh, always
1: wondered how like grueling those competitions are. Are they like? Are they a ton of work and preparation and?
0: Like, you know what, there was some of us, there was, listen, there was some people that were sitting in the corner, this is not a joke either, there was one guy who was literally doing like Jean-Claude Van Damme mental <laughs> in the corner, right, uh, some of us were, the hardest part is staying sober enough throughout those eight hours, because it was in a pool hall, you're drinking, you're not really eating a whole lot, you're trying to socialize with everybody, it's just staying sober enough throughout those eight hours to be able to keep your motor skills and your functions formed through speed four rounds and whatnot. So like, oh, the first sure. round was a speed four round where we literally grabbed a card out of the deck of cards, had five different measurements. It could be a quarter ounce, half an ounce, ounce and a quarter, half one, 1.5 ounces. And you had a free form. And you got dock time and points if you went above or below. Second round was a speed cocktail building round. And third round was a black box round where we had to make a drink up to five ingredients in five minutes as soon as you touched the box. And whatever was in the box had to be had to be used. So in our case, it was a red bell pepper. Oh. So, a red was, bell pepper? Yeah, a red bell pepper. So you know, we did a uh, I did a basil red bell pepper uh, margarita with, uh, with, with Reposado tequila, and mine ended up winning out. And I firmly Crazy. believe if it wasn't for that competition, I wouldn't be here where I am today. It's funny because like after you do this for a while, you get you get used to certain flavor profiles while what works with, with each other. So like especially with tequila, like especially with Reposado tequila, it's so malleable and it can blend so well with different styles of cocktails. So like jalapeno and cilantro go really well together. Uh, Jalapeno and pineapple go really well together for darker spirits when it comes to like a a rum-based cocktail. Yeah, that's a good idea. In our case, with single-hill, because it is a lighter and a little sweeter style whiskey, it's also very malleable than that. Uh, Jalapeno and basil is probably my favorite combination of all time. So one of my favorite homemade cocktails I call the Razor's Edge with uh, single-hill whiskey, muddled jalapeno and basil, Little bit of simple syrup, uh and syrup bitters and topped off with ginger beer.
1: Yeah, I've seen you I've seen you make just, that on one of your lives.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I one the best of all time. I'm also a huge wrestling fan, so that's why <laughs> it's called the Razor's Edge. I can't really see right now, but I got a big scar on the back of my head. I grew up with two much older brothers, they're eight and ten years older than me, so I got a few razors edges in my time. You,
1: you don't have uh you don't have any razor Ramon tattoos though on you that you color in <laughs> no, with <was no>. Sharpie.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Never mind. No, number one would be the DMX if I was going to go down that <laughs> road. <or not. laughs> yeah. I remember years ago, I played Junior Listen, I had a cup of coffee in Junior B hockey years ago Selfish back in St. John's. I was mostly just a practice goalie and then me and some of the would drink in the meantime, so stands and do some heckling. That's what Junior
1: but, B was all about, right? Jungle B.
0: <laughs> absolutely. And I firmly believe that's where I got my public speaking skills these days. It's practicing at a Brother O'Hare Arena years ago, yelling at it from the crowds. But one of the guys on our team, he was one of the toughest fellows on our team. He had, talking about brand tattoos, he used to have the Ford Mustang logo tattooed on his lower back. <laughs> oh, uh, He used to get it in the dressing room, but again, he was one of the toughest in the league, so who's really going to say a whole lot to him? So, but that was one of the worst
2: tattoos I've ever seen. <laughs> That's awful. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, one of my best friends owns a tattoo shop here, so I've seen some really horrid tattoos go through there. <laughs> I mean, when they're getting them, you can't really say anything, but, you know, there's little snickers w- once they leave. The, uh, the The bartending story kind of brought back memories. Uh, my wife used to manage an Irish bar here for a decade or so, so obviously I hung out there a lot, and they used to host flair bartending competitions, and I remember being there for one, and like you said, like, it was a exercise in... Uh, you know staying sober because some of the people who were the best in the first round the third round they were hammered and f- You know bottles flying across the bar <laughs> smashing. It's like what happened? But yeah, like you said They're there to have a good time as well and then have a little too much good time
1: I feel like flair has kind of been replaced by more artistry with the cocktails yeah. kind of thing, right? Thank like God. presenting presenting the cocktail instead of throwing the cocktail around before you serve it. Thank God for that.
0: <laughs> and, and you are, I couldn't agree more, and I and I like your sentiment because I've never been a big fan of the flair bar attending. I think there's a time and place for it, but at the end of the day, I don't want to wait two to five extra minutes for you to throw around my bottle to get my drink. I'd rather just get it done properly the right way. Exactly. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, just put a garnish on it and give it to me so I can drink it. So I can take the garnish off and drink it.
0: <laughs> it's funny how like it's like I've been doing these Caesar competitions, for example, for years now. And like the Caesar in itself, it's all about the garnish. It's not about the drink. It's it's mostly about the garnish. Like I remember years ago, one of my buddies back in St. John's, he he won the St. John's competition. He 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 came first. I came second. And then he came up to Toronto for the national competition. When he came back, I was like, "Mikey, how did you do?" He's like, "I came dead last." Like, what do you mean dead last? He's like, "What do you want?" The winning Caesar had a fully cooked duck sitting on. It. Oh I mean, gosh. What do do against that? Right, like we're there, we're there, rubbing two sticks together trying to get a match, and these people up here in the mainland got flamethrowers. So, all right, it is, Jeez. it is what it is.
1: I know. There's a there's one there's one that I always see. I can't remember the name of the bar, but it's out of Vancouver, and they they have like the a massive. Burger. Double-decker burger and, like... A piece of chicken. <laughs> oh, it's... Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's way taller. I'm not even sure how the glass even holds it up, honestly. There yeah, must I'm be not. some sort of weighted... So there must be a cement weight in the bottom of the glass, because I'm not sure how they achieve that. Can you imagine trying to be that poor server who's probably, you know, a little hung over in the morning themselves, because Caesars mostly gets sold
0: at brunch time. Oh, yeah. So they're they're at that brunch ship. They got 30 pounds mm. of Teetering, tottering, uh, top-heavy Caesars here with a, a double quarter pounder on top. What are you supposed to do? <laughs> that, thing's, that thing's falling down.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. That's for sure. Go to the West Coast. They got a full salmon sitting on
2: top of your glass. <laughs> 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 it's yeah. ridiculous.
1: So, have you, um, Andrew? Have you always been a whiskey drinker, or is whiskey something new for you?
0: No, I, I, I've i always loved whiskey. Now, I'll be honest, like, coming from Newfoundland, we grew up on rum, So that was – it. it's a lot regionally regionalized. But, like, Lambs Palm Breeze, for example, is the number one selling spirit in Newfoundland. And that's what we generally grew up on. Then you get a little older. Now, my mom was a whiskey drinker. She actually loves Canadian Club. My father always loved Wiser's. So I always had whiskey in the household. Mm-hmm. And then when I got a little bit older, you know, when you first start drinking – Got into rum, soup, vodkas because you try to do vodka seven up. You really don't know what else to really do when you're, you know, you're fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years old, and oh, you're just don't sure. around or whatever's in your your parents' liquor stash. But um, as as far as I, I remember, when I got into it and I wanted to make my own decisions, I got into whiskey. I've always loved Canadian whiskey. As I got a little older, I started loving bourbons. I've always loved Irish whiskeys as well too. Um, it's just yeah. I see. You, I see you giving me a thumbs up. Love Irish whiskey too. I love the nuttiness characteristic of it, but a little bit smoother. Bourbon I always found a little harsher when I was younger, but now my palate has changed or my, my taste buds have died, what, whichever way you want to put
1: it. <laughs> yeah. um, people say that their
0: palate matures. No, it's your taste buds die off as you get older and you smoke and you drink and drink a lot of coffee.
1: Right? Oh, exactly. So, yeah, everything becomes a little more palatable because you're, you're losing some of your taste buds. I know we, we talk all the time about how a 40% Whiskey or alcohol tastes like water now because you're so used to high proof cast strength yeah. and, and everybody's producing a cast strength product. So it's yeah, sometimes it's hard to get the, the flavor you want out of uh, out of a watered down whiskey. But I find that I find that actually Signal Hill does a really really good job and and so I, I kind of wanted to get into get into Signal Hill a little bit. I'm, I'm curious what what attracted you to to this brand.
0: I was just over the moon when I found out it was from Newfoundland like I saw I remember seeing in the liquor stores beforehand when I first I saw it in St. John's when I lived there and at, in, in perfect honesty and transparency I thought it was more of a gimmick kind of brand at first mm-hmm. because I saw Signal Hill there oh great it's like you know you see a localized spirit from that area they're just trying to market on a gimmick like Signal Hill the location itself so that's kind of what I thought about it at first then I moved up the mainland and I saw it again and I tried it a few times it's like man there is something behind it. There's something behind this. It's not just your standard Canadian whiskey, your three year old Canadian whiskey like some of the other brands that we know of.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: there's a little bit more to it. It's a little, it's a little smoother. I can. It's funny. I, I mentioned earlier I'm a huge wrestling fan. There's always a story years ago of the Undertaker being able to gargle Jack Daniel's. So I've always wanted to be able to gargle whiskey as a, as a sign of the manhood. Really, uh, you've made it. So I love you. know, I can do that easily with Signal Hill. It's great. You do it in taste tests for people. And it's funny, like I got a phone call asking me if I was interested in the position from people I worked with briefly back home. They said they were looking for someone up here. I went for the interview. I'd I'd already tried it multiple times. I really enjoyed the the characteristics of it. I did it in cocktails. I did it in highballs, uh, knees, or on on rocks. And every way I drank it, I just enjoyed it. And every time I sampled it with someone new, you see the reaction on their face. Because at first they're like, who worried about it who cares and then they tried and like we always say get the liquid to the lips and once mm-hmm. they did it, it's like oh there's something to this and like the biggest example was when i was in winnipeg last year so i only joined the company last january and in early march we went to the winnipeg whiskey fest and it was my first time representing the company at a whiskey show so it was very interesting to really see that amount of whiskey enthusiasts and supporters and their reaction to it and how many second or third go around. And like we were we were in the middle of two of our direct competitions and they kept looking over like, how are you doing that? Like, how are you guys getting that many people there? So,
1: Well, and for yeah. me, for me, like Signal Hill, there's a lot, there are a lot of Canadian whiskeys, like you said, kind of in that same, that same yeah. range. And, but I, like for me, the first time I had Signal Hill, I just, I just felt, and I couldn't really put my finger on exactly what it was, but I felt like it kind of just separated itself From the others it just seemed like it seemed familiar but it seemed a little bit different and the one thing like i don't know if you agree but i I feel like it's a great cocktail whiskey before anything else and i say that because i've literally tried this with every possible cocktail every possible whiskey cocktail i could make and it there's not a flaw in any of them i don't find like i find it just it kind of marries to whatever flavor you're going for which not not every whiskey in its in its genre or in its class are as uh, accommodating to to cocktails.
0: I agree. Now I'm going to right before I go on, I want to ask you, what's your favorite cocktail you found so that you oh, enjoy most? That is a
1: long list. Um, <laughs> I'm just going. Um, one of the ones that I make around here, just because there's not everybody that comes over and visits a place. Well, before COVID, of course, but they aren't they aren't as uh, I don't know, adventurous when it comes to cocktails as maybe I am. So, so like a maple, a maple sour or um, even just like a, an old-fashioned or smoked old-fashioned with, with a twist. Like I make a lot of my own simple syrups. Um, so I make a cinnamon rosemary simple syrup that, that, uh, that I and a lot of my friends really like. And I find the Signal Hill just hits the flavor profile perfect for that. And a lot of people are thinking I'm making it with actually a bourbon. Yep. Because because it's got that that perfect little sweet note that kind of shines through in the cocktail, which other Canadian whiskeys I find that sweet note kind of gets muddled away with with some of the flavors of the cocktail.
0: Well, I agree with you, and I think that you made a lot of great points there. Uh, I love it for cocktails because I notice that it does; it's very malleable. It blends together really well with with different, various different style of cocktails, but at the same time, you still distinctly taste the Signal Hill in. It doesn't get lost. It's not very. It's it's not like you lose it throughout the drink. Like you, you're making sour. So generally, if you have an egg white in there, that's going to mask some of the flavors. It's going to really nullify some of the some of the aspects of it. But the signal hill still pulls through. I love it in particular with iPhone because of its how smooth and slightly sweet it is. Uh, it pairs really beautifully with Italian bitter liqueurs like Campari um, or, yeah. for uh, Boulevardiers or Aperol for Paper Plains. Those are two of our favorite go to So I'm not sure if you're familiar with what those cocktails are or not.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I always have Campari and Aperol in the house, that's for sure.
0: There you go. <laughs> but I love it for that. Uh, you mentioned bourbon earlier, and I think I couldn't agree more. I think there's so many similarities between uh, your typical Lighter style, I should say, American bourbon and Signal Hill Whiskey. And, you know, there's a lot of similarities in that with the fact that bourbon must be minimum 51% corn. Ours is predominantly a corn base. Yeah. Um, we also use three different casks. New White American Oak, first-run bourbon cask, and Canadian Whiskey Cask for up to five years. So, based on that fact and bourbon must be Asian Virgin White Oak for minimum two years, there's a lot of similarities in, to play there, to play off each other.
2: So, yeah, I find, like, I'm not as big into cocktails as Steve is obviously, you know, knowing him got me into a lot more cocktails, but I do find that um, there are some cocktails that it tends to taste more like the cocktail than the ingredients, especially the whiskey. Whereas the signal Hill does shine through a little bit. I just, you know, I I like that. You can still taste what it's made with. Whereas, you know, even some bourbons, other Canadians or whatever, it masks the, the identity of the whiskey in it. And the Signal Hill seems to shine through, which is
1: I love. I love that about it. Yeah, you don't you you don't lose the essence of the whiskey, and I think that's the most important thing about about making a cocktail because you don't you want you don't want to lose the essence of the spirit. But I find that uh, Signal Hill does not get lost as easy as some of the other ones.
0: I agree. I agree wholeheartedly, and it's just it's a great spirit and very reasonably priced at forty dollars throughout Canada. Um, We've recently launched. We're in the. We're trying to get in the US. We're in the UK. Uh, we've recently launched in the last few months. Uh, I did a, a training for New Zealand and Australia, and it's doing quite well oh, down there. Cool. Australia. We're looking to get in New Zealand. Um, it's, it's just and every person we sample with, it's the same sentiments that you guys just shared. That it holds up, and it's just you. You can taste it. It's a beautiful. Has a great mouthfeel to it. It doesn't get lost. I don't want to it doesn't get lost in translation here, you know, is,
1: uh, <laughs> I like the plug. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going
0: to be my whole life. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't help it. Okay. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, like, <laughs> um, so back, back to the, the mash bill, yeah. uh, you mentioned that it's obviously pre- predominantly corn. Uh, I'm sure in the, like, is it in the nineties percent? Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, some malted barley, uh, anything else kind of mixed into that, or no,
0: I mean just the two? Zero percent rye.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, you know, it's, this is where we kind of separate ourselves again from other companies because you know most people think that rye and Canadian whiskey is synonymous together. But the fact of the matter is, and I'm sure you're very familiar with this. Most Canadian whiskeys have less than five percent rye. I think yeah. it's just synonymous with the word. So other companies like to proclaim that they're a rye whiskey when there's zero rye. We we never said that. We are a corn-based whiskey from Canada. And that's it. Uh, you know, it's roughly around in the high nineties to corn and uh, a
1: little bit of malted barley itself. And yeah, that's pretty pretty much it. Yeah, it's it's funny you mention that because I've I've had that argument, and mo- honestly, mostly with uh, the older generation of whiskey drinkers because they just associate Canadian whiskey with rye. Period. And they're just like, my uncle was the last person that I argued with because he he just refused to accept that. Canadian whiskey was predominantly corn. Like it's right. it's all corn, right? It went from the only reason we called it rye was because they sprinkled a little bit of rye into wheat whiskey back in the day, but now corn's the the easiest grain to manufacture over wheat, so we've gone to corn. And he was like, No, it's rye. No, I looked it up, it's rye. And I was just like, <laughs> buddy, stop. But it is a common misconception. And uh it's but but there's also a difference in people. I think what confuses people is that Northern corn and I don't know where where does Signal Hill get their grain from
0: from uh, Southern Ontario
1: Southern Ontario so like but a northern gro- like corn grain is a lot has a lot of different characteristics than a southern Gordon right so like a southern grain from that creates bourbon is going to create a different profile than what creates the whiskey up north here and oh, people man. right and it, and it does take on I find the corn does take on a little bit of rye characteristic. And, or maybe that's just the North characteristic that we associate it with.
0: And it's, it's a very similar thing when you talk about, when you're talking about grapes for wine too, uh, it depends on what it is. If it's in colder climate, it's not going to have the opportunity, the grain is not going to have, or the grape is not going to have the opportunity to really, uh, develop and mature the proper way, uh, because of the climate. So same thing goes with corn. So corn from Southern Ontario is going to be a little warmer than Northern Ontario as well, too, so it's going to become a little more sugary, a little sweeter as well, which also lends to the, the smoothness of our spirit. Yeah. A little bit of a creamy aspect
1: to Yeah, no, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more, no. honestly. Um, what about pivoting a little bit over to, I know this is a whiskey podcast, but uh, Crystal Head Vodka. Yeah, absolutely. How, how, um, how, how's that been? Has that also been a pretty fun venture, I'm sure, for you? because. Vodka has a completely different world yeah. than what we're used to as whiskey drinkers, but as a cocktail man, which is where it kind of all grew from, yeah. you you probably you view them all probably a little more equally than we do.
0: <laughs> well, it's just it's a lot of fun. So, um, and actually, do you know what? There there are some similarities between vodka, and this is going to be a bit of a stretcher, So just just follow through with me here. Okay. Whiskey also. Gets a lot. It's very disrespected in the whiskey community when you talk to bourbon snobs or I don't want to say snobs, but fanatics.
1: Oh, you can say snobs. That's okay.
0: (laughs) Snobs, there's snobs for every category. There's one snobs. The the alcohol industry is full of snobs, and that's one thing that you know. I like talking to people like yourselves that don't have an ego, don't you know, want to just talk about spirits themselves and the fundamentals of it all. So I find Canadian whiskey in the whiskey category itself gets a lot of disrespect. Same thing as vodka gets a lot of disrespect in the alcohol community itself because, based on his old definition of a neutral grain spirit that's colorless and odorless, why would vodka A be any different than B, C, D, or E? All right, it should all be based on that definition. The same thing, yeah. But vodka is so, and especially with Chris's so like other companies may go with different flavors of vodka, we go with different styles. So, we currently have three different expressions we are original, which is made from peaches and cream corn from Chatham, Ontario, our Aurora which is distilled from English winter wheat from Yorkshire, England. And then we have our newest expression called Onyx, which is where the f- world's first ultra-premium vodka company is. created a vodka distilled from Blue Weber Agave from Jalisco, Mexico, the homeland of Blue Weber Agave.
1: Yeah, I thought that release was really cool. Yeah. And I love the, the black skull that it, that it came out into.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So this is our newest expression, the Crystal Head Onyx. Uh, so distilled from Blue Weber Agave from a single farm in Mexico. Uh, it is absolutely fantastic, and for cocktail purposes, it's just great, because it has all the nuances of a proper tequila, but it finishes clean like a vodka. It's like our chris vodka is
1: home it. Hmm. I, yeah, I haven't tried it yet, and I've been really curious, too. I don't I don't know if it's... It's probably made its way on the shelf out here, I imagine, because it's been out for the greater part of a year, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We okay. moved it uh, just before the summertime. Uh, actually, just after summertime in 2020. twenty.
1: What is, uh, I've always been curious about this, but what does it cost to make... Those bottles.
0: I don't know a hundred percent the final cost point on it, but I know that empty bottles generally sell online for
1: from third parties, roughly around nineteen twenty dollars or so. Yeah, around that general area. That's uh, crazy. Also,
0: like you also have to think about it this way too: is the bottles are made in only two places in the world. One is from Bruni Glassware in Milan, Italy, and the other is from Saber Glassware in Paris, France. So, if you think about this. The grains, so for our original, and this is one of my autographed bottles from our Boston Ackroyd here. Oh, nice. our, so the grain comes from southern Ontario and is produced in Newfoundland, and the bottle comes from Italy or France, one of the two. The grains come from Yorkshire, England, and produced in Newfoundland, and the bottle comes from Italy or France. And then the grains come from Mexico and produced in Newfoundland, and the bottle comes from. Paris and France. So think about that. How expensive it is to ship anything out worldwide. You know yourselves if you're shipping anything, let alone oh, yeah. from New. It all has to go there from multiple different parts of the world, and then from there on out.
1: I, I work in the transportation industry, and it's yeah, shipping is ridiculously expensive on on any on any sort of good.
0: So like you know, there's a lot of fun I have with Crystal Light because the company has been around for a little long for a significant period longer than Signal Hill Whiskey has. We do have three different expressions, so. You have a lot more creativity with that style. Like Aurora, I find, is a very good substitute lateral movement from gin. So in classic gin-based cocktails, or when I want the spirit to shine through a little more, this is the one I choose. So for sours are great. I love Negronis with this one in particular. are fantastic. Uh, tequila-based recipes or interesting vodka-based recipes or even like Cosmos with this are really nice. Uh, I'm not the biggest Cosmo fan, but that is a good option for you. Uh, Moscow Mules are an interesting twist with this as well, too. Gimlets, which almost becomes a Tommy's Marguerite at that point. But yeah, yeah. It is, there, it's just so much more freedom and creativity. Plus, Getting to work with Dan Aykroyd
2: from time to time is a lot of fun and it's uh, <laughs> just interesting I'll put it that way. That was one of my, one of my questions was what what is it like to sit down and make cocktails and
1: just drink with Dan Aykroyd? Does he ever show up dressed like Ray from Gross, Ghostbusters or <laughs> Not
0: yet, not yet. maybe <laughs> one of these days or when Ghost when the newest Ghostbusters gets released this coming year, uh who knows? Well, I'm sure we'll do doing a few things around the opposite. If we're allowed to get together at that point.
1: Hopefully. Fingers crossed.
0: (laughs) Fingers crossed. Now, I've met, I've worked with Dan now uh, just, I think, four or five times now. And it's funny because um, Crystal Head Vodka, we just posted a video yesterday of my first date in the ops part of the team. And I smashed a glass, shattered glass all all over myself and all over Dan. Just the first (laughs) time I This was day one. I hadn't even officially signed the contract yet. I officially joined on January sixth, twenty twenty, but this was in November of twenty nineteen, and they brought me in to do a video shoot of a couple of different cocktails. So I've been bartending for you know about thirteen years at this point. I was i, I never smashed a glass when you're trying to separate the top and the bottom shaker.
1: Okay? Oh, okay. So it was like the the Boston style shaker <laughs> with the yeah.
0: Exactly now. I'm typically used to using a glass and a and a metal bottom, but when I got to the office, they only had tin on tin. So I was having I wasn't very successful in my first few you know oh trying yep, trying to pop it really nervous sweating I'm on camera I'm working with Dan Ackroyd for the first time ever all these people just hired me so finally I switched out the shaker I'm like okay I'm giving it this time there's no chances to stay together this time. <laughs> I smashed it and my hand went right through the whole glass jeez. I was, My hand is bleeding. It was a milk-based cocktail. I'm covered in milk now. Dan's got a few drops of milk on him, too. And he just looks at me and he goes slaps him on the back and says "Nice try, kid. Better luck next time." <laughs> and walk away.
1: <laughs> I'm sure something tells me that uh, Dan's had a few drinks spilt on him either by himself or someone else in his day. <laughs> the guy's been in show business for a long time.
0: <laughs> I got a hunch. Yeah, a few months ago, actually, we uh, I had the privilege of going down to his actual residence. Um, oh, cool! And we filmed a big network special uh, for one of our uh, U.S. distributors called. Wine and uh, yeah, yeah. It was a big introduction to the brand to uh, Chris Led Onyx in particular. But I got to spend eight hours at his actual residence here in Ontario with him, uh, just me and him. And it was funny because honestly, I wasn't exposed to be on camera that day. I was told by my employers to create a cocktail list so Dan could make it, so it would be easy, reputable, replicable thing for Dan to make on camera. And I was just there to supervise. So I showed up there, and next thing you know, Dan grabs me. He's like, "All right, Andrew, so you're gonna stand here. You're gonna make all the drinks. We're gonna play back and forth. We're gonna have a chat. Uh, no script. We're just gonna free. We're just gonna fly by the seat of our pants." I'm there. I'm like, "All right, Dan, let's let's go, my buddy. Let's get." It.
1: <laughs> was that the was? I saw the one video with uh, you making the cocktail with him standing by you. I think it was the chocolate martini.
0: Yeah, yeah, so that's the one.
1: That yeah. was, okay, yeah. No, no, no I no. know, He's and it's funny, because he's literally just sitting there, leaning on the bar, just staring at you the entire time, and then you hand it over, and he's like, mmm, delicious. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny, because I, the hardest part, if you pay attention to that video, the hardest part of that is me holding my smile for the entire time. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> like a background character trying to do one of these things, and you're just like, all right, all right. 20 minutes later, you still haven't said a word. And you're just trying to smile. So <laughs> my girlfriend had a nice laugh at me when she was watching that. She could see the little subtle nuance on my face. i not kidding.
1: Well, you, <laughs> you, you came off like a total professional. I'll give you that.
0: The editing team did a great job. I'll tell
2: you that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, recently on the news out on the West Coast, I was actually sent um, from another whiskey community member, Um, They had a news article on their local news that it was uh, a thing, a petition basically started in BC for craft distillers and Canadian distillers to have a tax break in order for them to be able to send their spirits, A, across Canada further, and B, to try and get more Canadian um, instead of like the big brands that are well known to get some of the uh, lesser known brands into the States as well. And it kind of piggybacks because the U S gave all their craft distillers a tax break last year, um, as part of them going above and beyond making the hand sanitizer when COVID hit. And then on top of that, you know, um, they have really strict laws in a lot of the States of craft, uh, distillers not being able to send out their product. Um, do you know anything about that or have you heard about that uh, project that was started and how that would affect you guys in getting your, especially Signal Hill, into the States or across Canada further?
0: I'll be perfectly honest. I don't know too too much about that particular topic there. I have heard about it. I've, I've read a little bit about it, but uh, I wouldn't be able to speak very, very confidently in that situa- in that uh, topic itself. But I will mention, though, I, I'm, I'm full of paperwork. So I think the more that we can bring each other, like the old saying goes, the rising tide raises all ships. I think mm-hmm. the more information we can get out there, the more accessibility we can get out there with our beautiful spirits, it'll just, it'll, everyone will be more appreciative. Like, I wish I had more access to some of the great whiskeys that British Columbia and Alberta have to offer. Right? Like, I would love to be able to try some more, more localized ones. Like, I was looking up, like, like, Shelter Point, for example, from BC. I would love to be able to try that a little more often. It's very rare. I can find that here in Ontario. And then even come from Newfoundland, we have nothing out there. Like, we get the bottom of the barrel from being brought over to Newfoundland. Itself. Screech. We're very, we're very sheltered there. No, no point, no pun intended on that one. We're <laughs> really sheltered over there. Uh, like, you want to move to Toronto, I had no, I thought I knew a lot about alcohols. I had no, we don't even have Amaro's back home in Newfoundland. So, like. Wow. Like coming up here, trying to learn about that. closest thing we really have there is you know Jagermeister. Is you know I'm sure there are <laughs> a few out there, but we really didn't. We really don't know much about that. So when it comes to great selections, I think that if the more we can get out there, it's almost like wrestling. I mean, again, going back to wrestling. If there's more organizations and there's more viewership of the product itself, more people are going to be talking about it. More people are going to be sampling it, and hopefully they become fans and and, and uh, supporters of it as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's and. And that's why, like, I always speak to the fact that when you're being that you're an ambassador of a brand, you're also an ambassador of the industry. So it's it's up to you to boost the industry as a whole and to just sell whiskey, vodka, or spirits in general. Because if you're not propping up the whole thing, then you're not do, you're doing your own brand's disservice.
0: I couldn't agree more. And like, and on top of that note, there's no point of ever like. Insulting another company or bringing them down because unless they're doing bad practices or they're bad people in general, but unless it's legit. Stuff, yeah. this because not my cup of tea, it's not my flavor profile. Does't mean that someone else might they're not might not love
1: it. Absolutely.
0: I'm not, I'm not a big fan of super peaty smoky scotches. but there's clearly a most people <laughs> do love them. A lot of people do. I, I'm not
1: that type of person. I'm right. I'm surrounded by those people. I've, I I love a good peated Scotch, but i I like I'm I'm kind of a a half and half when it comes to drinking. But Sean and and you've met Josh, uh, yeah, yeah, I know you're your whiskey Josh. from up north, right? Yeah, he's we're actually going to see him today, but he that guy's a total peat head, right? But it's yeah, it, and that's the thing is that there is there's whiskey for every palate, and we as whiskey drinkers we need to appreciate them all. There's there's no reason why we should be putting any of them down because somebody. If you don't like it, somebody does, which which kind of lends to the the whole premise of try it, try it for yourself because all our palates are different. You never know what's going to actually jump out to you, right?
0: And of course, all really depends. There's a lot of circumstances too. It could depend on where where you're fizzly at when you're trying that whiskey for the first time. It might be it might be a bad environment. Yeah. You might not like it the first time or you could have the best best atmosphere ever. Like It's funny actually, I was watching, um, it's not about whiskey but about tequila. Uh, LeBron James recently invested in a tequila company and I read an article about it and he said that the first time he sampled it it was on his yacht in like Saint-Tropez and he said it was phenomenal but he's like, I need to bring back a few bottles to Akron, Ohio because everything tastes good on a yacht in Saint-Tropez. <laughs> it's good in a basement in Akron, Ohio it's good stuff. That's- so, that's we true. defined by these, by the environments we're in. Right.
1: I feel like the tequila industry, with uh, with regards to like celebrities and stuff like that, is becoming a real trendy industry. They're all trying to get into it, whether it be well, I guess whether it be any spirit, but whatever. It just makes the it makes the, the whole the whole market and industry more diverse and gives us more options. And I don't think that people are going to stop buying alcohol anytime soon
0: country right on now and especially these days like you know it's what else does it really do we're like here in ontario we're under month two of our state home order or lockdown uh, and about um, almost a month into the, lo- the state home
1: order i know i'm waiting i'm actually waiting for those radio ads to come out similar to asking people to donate blood if people can start donating healthy livers so that people can survive past <laughs> covid because Would it's it- it's I- the only thing that's gotten me through some of these dark months oh man
2: i remember <laughs> i just saw it uh, on the news here a couple weeks ago and it was the alcohol sales in Alberta went up like 380% from March to April last year. (laughs) I'm just like, yeah, I I believe it.
1: I think alcohol sales across the country were up nearly 15% or something like that, which is, which in the grand scheme of things is huge.
2: Massive.
0: Massive. I got a quick question for you, Dylan, because I love asking this. What do you, during the first part of COVID, what do you think was the biggest rising category of spirits? So whether that be, you know, rum, vodka, whiskey category, you know what I mean. Like, what do you think was the biggest rising category with, of spirits during the first part of COVID?
2: For me, I whiskey.
1: Would, I would go with seltzer uh, cocktails, or like, but, uh, I guess if we're including all those, then yeah, maybe the the seltzers, the beers, something like that.
0: I think that's a very that's a very good um, part. I wasn't actually including that part into it, but okay. the answer is, but it's it's it, they did actually like. Some of those had uh, massive rises. Yeah, Fun. yeah. Coffee and cream based liqueurs.
1: Ah, oh, yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> that makes total sense because people are drinking in the morning while they're working at home. <laughs> I'll put my hand up to that.
0: <laughs> I've said this for years. No one suspects you're drinking when it's in a coffee mug. If you're working those brunch, breakfast shifts at work and you need a little pick me up, when it's in a coffee mug, no one suspects it.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. It's funny you say that because I was even thinking, like, uh, it was. A month or two ago, when Forty Creek put out their Nanaimo bar, liqueur, coffee liqueur, or um, cream liqueur, and and then like four weeks later, it was sold out across the country. More supplies coming, and I was like, "When in the world has a cream liqueur sold out across the country?" Like, it just seems so weird. And then, like, just shortly before Christmas, there's a local distillery here called Hanson Distillery. They okay. had they so- had people lined up. All the way around their building to get a couple of their um, was, like their small batch cream liqueur releases it was, releases. A, it was crazy. salted salted caramel yeah the, mean, the purple cow one and then the salted caramel but they're just they're just killing it on these cream liqueurs so it's crazy that you break that up
0: you yeah, know it's interesting I, I I used to love them I used to love Bailey's when I was younger uh, as I got older I became a little more lactose intolerant so I can't quite pack it as much I do love Grand Marnier in my coffee or A Nice signal hill whiskey, uh, espresso coffee. You know, I was actually
1: just playing with that because I was tasting my coffee and then I had a sip (laughs) and then I was like, at what point am I just gonna pour this into my coffee?
0: (laughs) uh, Like a mero Montenegro nonino in there with your espresso, and uh, the signal hill is a great call.
1: So, let's uh, let's get back to signal hill. Uh, I know we're kind of wandering around here, but we're here to talk about. Talk about whiskey, I guess, right? <laughs> you are on the
0: whiskey podcast on yeah.
1: whiskey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We might as well go back to the whiskey. What's what's in the future for Signal Hill? Like Signal, they've had this product on the shelf for what a couple, couple years, two or three years. Are they? What, what's coming next for Signal Hill? What, what's some new releases you think that they're going to have?
0: We're about to enter year four now. Uh, Signal Hill was uh, okay. basically released towards the end of 2017, uh, beginning 2018. Uh, unfortunately, COVID absolutely put a few kicks in the planet for us. Yeah. Uh, I can't confirm it, but the talks around the odds are probably the next step for Signal Hill Whiskey will be a cast drink. Uh, that is something we're looking at towards next time. Uh, possibly introducing a different type of barrel as well, but more than likely, again, can't confirm it, cannot promise, yeah. but more than likely you'll see that coming around 2022
1: next year, hopefully. Yeah, and that, that's a good... That's a good, I think it's a good business decision because the, the market is really, especially the whiskey market's really playing to the the cast strength
0: releases. Exactly. And like, realistically, it, we got to get out to more shows, right? Liquid Ellipses, I mentioned earlier, like we had so much success at the Winnipeg Whiskey Show. We had so many plans for 2020 and for this year as well, but it looks like all those shows will not be happening. Everything is virtual now these days, which is great. It's, you know, we have, we can do trainees all over the world. Much quicker, but at the same time, too, it's not like it's. We don't. I, I notice myself. It's not the same success level of being in person with people, getting to sample of the whiskey, having them talk yeah. to their friends, bringing it back. So, we almost want to hold off a little bit and see how the world goes for the next little while, and then attack it with a good plan of attack, with A good plan.
2: Yeah, do a do a release where you can do it in person.
0: Exactly. Yeah. You know, we were talking about Chris Head earlier. You know, in twenty twenty, we released our Pride bottle for uh, our Pride Rainbow bottle, and we released onyx as well. So we released a new bottle and a new spirit all during the COVID year, and it, it works very. It was a tremendous year for us as a company. However, with whiskey, it's a little bit different, right? It's uh, it's just a little bit different, especially Canadian whiskey it doesn't have the same massive deal.
1: Yeah, and it's good. it's just good to have to be able to put more than one expression on the table when you're when you're sitting at these shows, right? Because then you, it's. It, yeah, it's, I think it's easier probably to be able to present a spectrum instead of just the one product.
0: And especially if you visit these shows for the first time. There's a big difference between going back the second and third time. If you go to a show the first time and you have one bottle, one skew, that's great. But I'm not sure if you guys have ever been. I'm assuming you've been to a few of these, these shows. Yep. When you have one skew, they give you one six-foot table, long table. It's not very big, and you get cramped in in there, When you have two to three SKUs, they generally give you maybe a 9-foot or a 12-foot table, so you have a lot more of a, you have a bigger presence there as well, too. And then if you're going back to the same show the second or third year in a row, and you you haven't done any experimentation or any new releases, then the people are a little less enthusiastic to come see you again. You're always going to get those
2: first people, which is fantastic. But, say people, are, they're, they're expecting something new. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. So... What is the story behind Signal Hill? The name and even the logo that's on the bottle. Can you speak to that oh, at all? Absolutely, absolutely. So, have you guys? First and foremost, have you guys ever been to New by any chance? No, my wife's family's from there, and we talk about it all the time. We just, you know,
1: time and money trying to get
2: out there. But it's, yeah, it's it's on, in Canada. It's on the top of my list
1: for sure. And the the trip, the like, I've been to the, as far into the Maritimes I've been is is Halifax, but it's more. The troublesome thing for us Canadians is it's more expensive to get to Newfoundland than it is to get to Ireland or or the UK or something like that, right? Which is, which I think, yeah, which is just, it's stupid because wouldn't you want to draw the people in your country to our own attractions instead of sending them outside?
0: I couldn't agree more. And that's a a difficulty we face here. And, you know, it kind of lends to what I was talking about earlier with the pricing for Crystal Head as well, too, when it comes to bottles. Yeah. The manufacturing process as well. Um, the Signal Hill itself, so the, so Signal Hill is actually a very historic location in St. John's, Newfoundland. It is the location of the first transatlantic wireless communication that ever happened in the world. So I'm sure you, most of your viewers have heard of the name Marconi before. Yeah. Uh, in one he received an SOS, a Morse code signal from his pole communication station in Cornwall, the United Kingdom, all the way across the Atlantic Ocean to Cabot Tower, which is a building on top of Signal Hill in St. John's, Newfoundland. So if you look closely at the bottle underneath the word Signal Hill, you'll see a series of dashes and dots, and that's actually Signal Hill in Morse Co.
1: Oh, so, crazy. I actually, I always wondered what that was.
0: Yeah, we like to pay uh, <laughs> we, we like to pay homage to uh, you know our founders. New, Canadian whiskey is all about history. Newfoundland is all about history. Newfoundland was the first settlement in North America in 1497 by John Cabot. Um, you know, we don't really like using the word discovered because, you know, as we're going to talk about with our logo itself, settled roughly around the 900 AD by, uh, by the Norse Viking group, which is, this is their logo. Uh-huh. So this logo is called the Valknut, and it belongs to the Norse Viking group. You do see it around uh, around the world representing other things as well, but to us it represents the relationship, the harmonious relationship between three elements that make whiskey whiskey, which is the water, the wood, and the grain. So we like to pay a lot of homage, they did settle in Newfoundland roughly around the 900s, Giovanni Cabot, John Cabot settled in Newfoundland in 1497. And then Marconi sent wireless transmission. Well, he received a wireless transmission from the UK in 1901 as well. Now, our bottle itself has a great design. Uh, it fits every back bar. It's very classy looking. It fits in the rail really nicely as well. Mm-hmm. It has a great hand feel to your bottle. You feel very safe when you're playing around with it. It looks very classy, too. Now, I'm actually showing off. You'll see we have two different styles. This is our photograph. I kind of noticed that earlier. I was going to ask you guys there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's because well, because I've been providing, I provide photography for for Brianna, right? Each yes, month, so, well, yeah,
0: well, uh, you guys do phenomenal work, and that's why I was very excited to, talk, to finally meet you, gentlemen, because you guys have been doing phenomenal photography for us since uh, since I've been a part of the team, and it's just very fun to meet you guys. Be great supporters. Yeah, know. it's, it, it's been great. Sorry, I was just going to finish off by saying, from your pictures that I see all the time.
1: They are fantastic. Well, I appreciate that. It's been really fun. I I I just I love obviously working with a a Canadian distillery. I feel like, and I don't know if you guys consider yourself you consider yourself craft distillery still. I would think so because your output is not it's not capable of reaching worldwide quite yet quantity wise. And so I'm I'm curious about your stock. Do you have like what's the oldest whiskey stock that you guys have?
0: And I know our, our spirit itself is generally eight minimum age requirement is three years. Yeah. We do ours five years as well. Now, maybe there's something brewing in the uh or something aging in the in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Uh bad information I do not have offhand, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, but we generally try to stick between the three to five year range. We are a younger style whiskey. Um, but it is as you taste itself, it doesn't taste like a very young whiskey either.
1: No, and for the 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 drinkers that you're trying to reach with this product, there's no need to really create additional costs and age it any longer. I was, I was just more kind of with uh, with future releases. I, I'm assuming that they're going to have some older stocks so that they can so they can reach a different kind of level of drinker at some point in time.
0: Right? I hope so. There's <laughs> yeah. uh, there's certain things they don't they don't tell me everything. So uh, there's <laughs> certain few things that you know Brian, Jonathan, Mark, and Christine are bosses and owners.
2: One day, we'll get a piece of paper across your desk that will say, hey, a 10-year coming out. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We that, can hope. <laughs> that'll be a good day. Is What's Dan Aykroyd's relationship to like the creation of these products? Were they his brainchild, or was he just kind of brought in?
0: So, Crystal Head Vodka was his brainchild. It his was, hand okay. Hand okay. Hand. Yes, him and his business partner and best friend, John Alexander, who's a famous painter from Texas. Uh, they created. They thought of it. They created the bottle and the idea of crystal. So I'm not sure if you're aware not, but Dan was actually the person who brought Patron tequila to Canada.
1: Oh um, no, I wasn't.
0: He was the original distributor for that. He brought the licensee over to Canada, and then he sold it. Um, and then took proceeds from that. Got the got the. Uh, he started loving the alcohol industry from that perspective, and then yeah. that's when he wanted to go with crystal vodka. Now, it's basically the same ownership group, per se, for Crystal Head and Signal Hill Whiskey. There are different ratios. Uh, We do operate out of the same office. So, Crystal Head is done through a parent company called glow Incorporated, and Signal Hill Whiskey is done through Signal Hill Spirits. Uh, We both operate out of the same office. It's essentially the same staff, just different ratios of ownership. So, I know Dan Aykroyd has uh, an ownership, from my understanding, Uh he he has an ownership percentage in signal hill whiskey and when i was at his farm we definitely had a few bottles there with us <laughs> somehow when i gave a bottle he was too firm and somehow a little later it disappeared i don't really know why yeah. <laughs> uh, they uh they they certainly enjoyed
1: that <laughs> yeah yeah no I, I figured that he was definitely involved so i just wasn't sure what the relation was there i guess like Crystalhead, how long has Crystalhead vodka been in been uh, distilling
2: out in
0: Canada, I believe it was when it was released. Yeah for,
1: so for quite a while. So they they've been making spirit are they, they both created in the same distillery?
0: No. So uh, uh different distilleries uh yes it's produced it's finished off it's produced and bottled and filtered and blended together in the same distillery in flank.
1: Uh okay okay.
0: So both of them do begin in Ontario and then they're produced they're filtered, blended and bottled in plant Canada and then released and shipped out worldwide.
1: Oh, okay, so you transport them to kind of finish the process off.
0: With Signal Hill, we're very open about this. Like The creation of the recipe was actually uh, a gentleman named Michael Booth who helped create the recipe. So I'm not sure if that name rings a bell to you, gentlemen, but Michael Booth, for over t- for over two decades, was the master blender and distiller at Hiram Walker. Um, oh, okay. Who helped create the original recipes for, like, Plate Creek and Goethe words the rebirth of that. And he was retired. He was actually the one who trained in Dr. Don Livermore. So Don Livermore trained in under Michael Booth for years. And Michael Booth was retired at this point, and we contracted him out to help create the recipe of Signal Whisky. Whiskey. The original recipe was actually priced over $200 a bottle. And then that was never going to be able to fly. And then they brought it down to $50 a bottle, as well as the suggested price that we sell it for. Mm-hmm. But trying to sell an introductory, uh, newer style Canadian whiskey, even though it's, it's premium, it's still a tough sell at $50 a bottle. So we brought it down to 40 makes it a little more approachable. So the beginning of the distillation and the aging process does happen at the Hiram Walker facility here in Walkerville, which is actually uh, Windsor, Ontario, which yeah. is where the, one of the birthplaces of Canadian whiskey, and they have the best, you know, it's such a rich history. I'm not sure if you gentlemen ever visited that distillery itself. I've, I've had the honor of doing it twice now, uh, once before this position came about, but they have the biggest warehouse, the best man, the best, I hate to say manpower, but the best employee power. Uh, they're just great people over there. And so we teamed up with them. They helped distill and gauge their spirits. And then we take the shipments, bring the new plan, blend the three barrels together. So are you guys familiar with our barrel agent process as well? I know a lot of this information is available online, but we do like to talk about
1: it. Yeah, no, let's, let's talk about it. Yeah, for sure. Let's go into it. So.
0: It's predominantly, as we mentioned earlier, it's predominantly corn based with a touch of malted barley. But advantages of Canadian whiskey compared to American bourbons were allowed to age and dis- distill and age the grains separately. So we twice column distill the corn and we pot the malted barley. We then take those two distillates and age them in three different casts each. New white American oak, first run bourbon cast and Canadian whiskey cast for up to five years. And then at the end of that duration, we blend those six barrels together. Hmm. Uh, we marry it down to 40 percent just with waters, and then we use a non chill filtration process before we pop.
1: What's a Canadian whiskey barrel?
0: So, a Canadian whiskey barrel is an American, is a new white American oak barrel that's had bourbon aged in a minimum two years, followed by Canadian whiskey aged in it. Perfect. Okay. Okay. So, basically, virgin white oak is what bourbon must be aged in, or new white American oak, whichever yeah. way you want to say it. Yeah, and it refilled bourbon cast, so we get first run. So after they've had bourbon filled in for a minimum two years, we get that barrel fresh off that two-year duration. And then after Canadian whiskey's aged in that barrel for a, for a period of time, then we also use that barrel.
1: Is that just a, uh, a method kind of created so that you could use – because you can kind of double use your barrels a little bit, right? Because you can age yeah. in the bourbon and then you can change – Shuffle that, shuffle that down to be the Canadian whiskey barrel. That you, yeah, okay.
0: Longevity certainly plays into yeah. it. That whiskey test also adds a bit of creaminess and sherry notes to it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know the, bur- the refilled bourbon cask because of the, the high char level to it. It's going to caramelize the sugar, adds a little more car- color to it, a little more sweetness, and then you get a little more vanilla and toffee from and caramel from the first one, the first bourbon cask.
1: Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, a refill bourbon barrel is like the Scotch industry create some beautiful flavors out of that. So there's no reason why everyone else can't too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right. And we, you know, that way we have a lot more creative freedom. We can blend those flavors, those, three, those six barrels together and our optimal flavor profile the way we want it to taste. And we just have a lot more creativity and control over that.
2: Way. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I like hearing the, the story behind the barreling. I mean, when we set out for this podcast, we kind of wanted to be specific to the community, the people that drink it, the people behind the brand. But, you know, every now and then to hear a cool story like that, you know, I, I never, I didn't know that before
1: today. So that's really interesting to me. Even like the, I, I just appreciate the transparency and the willingness to be transparent.
0: The information is out there. People are going to figure it out one way or another. So if you're going to be full of baloney, it's not going to work out very well for you in the long run. I, I firmly believe just being honest, transparent.
2: And if people like your product, they like it. If they don't, they don't. Yeah, yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. If if your goal is to satisfy every single person, you're a not going to be able to do it, and b probably not going to be very genuine in what you're doing.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> other, than, oh, yeah. other than yeah, other than Signal Hill, what uh, what other whiskeys are in your glass?
2: Oh
0: my buddy, I'm glad you asked. So I'm very <laughs> we're, we're very lucky here in Toronto that uh, the whiskey community, the whiskey brand ambassador community have really brought, taken me in as a, as a family member over the past year. Yeah. So I've become close with a couple of different companies, representatives here in Ontario. So they've been very friendly to me and it turns out actually the majority of us live in like a, like a three block radius here in downtown Toronto. <laughs> That's convenient.
2: Whiskey central.
0: you downtown Toronto, and you're looking for a bottle of whiskey. You're in the right place uh, in City Place in Toronto. So, like, I do have a couple of bottles here on me. Actually, you know, again, I'm fully transparent. I do work for Signal Hill Whiskey. It is my favorite Canadian whiskey. Yeah, but I can't enjoy other companies, other styles as well other companies. So for bourbon, right now, I've been really enjoying this old tub unfiltered from uh, from Jim Beam's family. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. One of the best values I've ever seen in my life, forty dollars here in the LCBO. That is unreal stuff.
1: It's it, it came out too with uh, far different characteristics than I thought because it's a it's a typical Jim Beam product. I think it's a high higher rye mash bill, not super high, but in like the fifteen ish percent kind of thing. But it it delivers way more. I felt like multi mocha like characteristics to it, which. Um, in an old-fashioned is actually really, really good.
0: And those kind of flavor profiles are right on my alley. So I'm really enjoying that one. Thank you to my my colleague and friend, Ray Daniels. Uh, I love Ray Ray Daniels, yeah. I love Ray Me and Ray have had a lot of drinks together. We're, we're neighbors, and he's a great dude. So, oh, he's I'm an awesome always, dude. I was just asked if he's Newfoundland, and I'm, I was going to ask if I'm Irish.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, it was a match made in heaven right there.
0: <laughs> how it works out. Um, I'm just about to start my uh, certified specialist of spirits course uh, very soon. Okay. So, um, right now during the downtime where I'm not really visiting the council or trying to do many tastings the same way, I'm trying to up my education. So. At this moment now, I just picked up a bottle of Writers Tear Irish whiskey. It's uh, part my course mandate that I must uh, drink some Irish whiskey. So I reached out
2: to some of my friends, and uh, they recommended this one for me. So if you uh, if you need any recommendations for any Irish, uh, you just uh, hit me up, slide into my DMs, as they say, and I can uh, I can hook you up with some some very cool Irish. Actually, um, I don't know. Everybody calls me the Irish guy. From the, genealogy the, and my drinking the habits. The Canadian defender of Irish whiskey is what we would call Yeah. I'll defend <laughs> Irish whiskey to the death and you know, everybody, you know it's the same thing as Canadian whiskey in a way where, you know, they get they get generalized based on the most uh easiest found whiskeys. Mm-hmm. And like I have some in my collection that are unreal. Like Writer's Tears in B C they released a a Japanese oak finish. And a Marsala cask finish, so I have both those on the way to my house in the near future. But um, just like the single pot, still you can find some here. Like Kilbagan makes one, and it's it's the traditional, like the historical mash bill that they use with some oats in it. And like here, it's I think fifty five sixty bucks, and it's unreal. But, yeah, I, I can definitely uh, hook you up with some. some right, I appreciate tastings. it. Yeah, let me know.
0: I love Irish whiskey. I, I, listen, I love Jameson, too. Don't get me wrong. But there are so many other options out there. Like uh, Green Spot and Yellow Spot or some of my favorites. Yeah, the spots
1: are delicious, for sure. They're,
0: they're
1: really nice yeah, my really nice my dad would be proud of you because he's a big Writer's Tears fan. And uh, there's always a bottle on the table whenever me and him are drinking whiskey. So.
0: Well, I'll be honest. I hope I am. This has not even been cracked yet. So oh, I'm I guess. Up, yeah. coming up soon, so I'm hoping that this turns out this is as good as everyone says it is. I love Irish whiskey, so I'm sure it's I'm going
1: to take care. For it, in its price range, it is it's one of the better value whiskeys that you'll buy, for sure. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, yeah. if I if I do send a care package out, I have the Redhead Riders Tears as well, which is a sherry oh. cask. So once I get the other two, I'll put together a little uh, care package from Alberta and send it out to you.
0: I really appreciate that, my friend. That sounds fantastic. Hey, uh, Spreading the see. love
2: of Irish whiskey is what I do.
1: <laughs>
0: nice. And then for Single malt scotch, I got these two guys currently in my cabinet. So I got a McCallan twelve year old, uh, this is a triple no double cask edition. Yep. Again sealed, hasn't been cracked open yet tonight. It's Whiskey Wednesday. And um I was gifted this for an early birthday present from a friend of mine, Cameron. Cameron Millar Cameron, I'm sure Cameron Millar.
1: Know. Yeah, I okay. actually just talked to him uh yesterday about uh getting him on the podcast, so
0: I'll put in a good word for you. we he's also my neighbor and Good buddy, very close close. He seems
1: like a yeah. He seems like a really good guy.
0: That guy's a wealth of knowledge. Like, listen, I I love whiskey and I know a lot about Signal Hill and and whiskey in general. But him and like Ray, those guys are what I hope to become. Cameron, if you're out there watching, you're a good dude, and uh, he knows he knows the stuff. I I can't even compare it when it comes to him, like, knowledge about whiskey.
2: See, and, and it's, it's it's weird because with Cam, like when I first started my whiskey journey, um, I started with Highland Park, so. I knew he was the, the rep in Canada. So I just, you know, same thing. I just hit him up on Instagram. And yeah, very forthcoming to me. Like he's been nothing but nice. Yeah. Yeah, of course, that's who he is. But um, yeah, I've been talking with him for a couple of years and really excited to have him on.
0: I always get jealous a little bit. So like we'll go out and it to, to an account or whatever that like, carries both of our products. Or if, you know, I'm, I'm still trying my best to get signal out there because we are a fairly new brand. So we're not as well-known compared to, like, McCallum. Like, everybody you go into in the world has McCallum. Yeah. yeah. So it was always interests me, and I tell them I'm jealous of them, because we'll walk up to a manager introduce ourselves. He'll look at me, be like, all right, you're trying to sell me something great. And Cameron <laughs> was like, hey, you have my products already. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm just going to help you sell my products better. I'm going to teach you how to sell my stuff better. Right? So... That's always a great approach, right? And yeah, one he, day, like, hopefully, I'll have uh, I'll learn to save my knowledge
1: has. Yes. His yeah, his advantage point is yeah, definitely easier to come from.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's not trying to sell them anything. He, they already carry about five or ten of his bottles. He's like, hey, you already have about 10000 dollars worth of my products out there. Let me help you sell that better.
1: So the last the last one I saw you pick up there was the Quinta Rubin. Glenn Marangi. Yeah, Glen
0: Glenmorangie Quinta Rubin. I, I absolutely love this. I do love uh, the port. Uh, I love that in this set of provides. And actually, before I started this job that I'm currently in, I was bar manager of a, of a place here in Toronto called Shore Club, and this was their the staffs going away present for me. So uh, I always have a little bit of my house, and uh, I
1: love it. it. It's a it's a good one. I, I always I've always been impartial to to the Quinta Rubin. and the uh, I found that the new 14 year that came out in the green label was. Yes. A, I I just love the fact that they kept it the same price even though it was a couple years older and I felt like it just refined it a perfect amount. Yeah.
0: It was 20 years ago when I was in my early twenties, me and a bunch of my friends from St. John's, we, uh, we created a scotch club, a whiskey club. Uh, we, we knew Mondays had a bad connotation to them. No one really, really likes Mondays. So we wanted to turn that around. So we created Scotch Mondays. Nice. And uh, every Monday we, we would buy one or two different bottles of single malt scotch and we'd try them out. And it's funny because one of my best, one of my buddies back home, his name's Ed, his mom gave him a book of single malt scotch when he was, like, six years old for a birthday present. Like, <laughs> really? He brought in on day one, and we like, Ed, where, where did you get this to? He was like, Mom, me when I was, like, eight or seven for my first
1: birthday. <laughs> well, I wish my mom was doing <laughs> stuff like that.
0: But it was funny because uh, it was always my job to get the bottle every Monday morning. The liquor store back home opens up at 10 a.m. And I, was, I always wanted to be the first person in line up at 10 a.m. when they open up their doors to buy a bottle of scotch. I never achieved this feat. There's always one or two tangly fellas. Oh, know, yeah. They got in at 10 a.m. on the dot. But I'll never forget one time we threw in enough money, and it was, we were buying a $180 bottle of single malt scotch. Now, I forgive me, I cannot remember the name off the top of my head at the moment. But uh, it was like 10.05 a.m. on a Monday morning, I'm trying to buy this bottle at the NLC. And <laughs> God bless her. The the employee, she looks at me, she's like, do you have any ID?" <laughs> I looked at her, I was like, I do have ideas. Like here you go. But I was like, but I know you're just doing your job. But do you really think that anybody, any 18 year old, is coming here at 10:05 on Monday morning and <laughs> spend 180 dollars on one bottle? <laughs> <laughs> like probably not. I was like, yeah, probably not.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, let's let's think about this just a little bit.
0: <laughs> or do you think showing up with a shopping cart full of boons and Coors Light and you know ten dollar bottles of vodka?
1: Boons, <laughs> boons, <laughs> yeah. man. I've, I had some nights oh, with God. some boons back in the day for sure. That and the what is that Canadian Miss, or oh. Canadian whatever it was came out, and or or you just go you you go like super uh, uh, gutter and go like a big bear or something like that. That would just that was the best. Like back then, I I, I don't know what uh, what year you were born. I'm an '81 baby, and so my when I was 18, you could for like 10 bucks, you could get a big bear. Pack smokes and put a few dollars in a gas, and you were good for the night. <laughs> Usually,
0: when I was that age, it was ten dollars for a half case. So I'm, I'm thirty three, on 487 eighty uh, seven. When I was that age, it was basically ten dollars for a half case and ten dollars for the jointer too. Yeah.
1: No. Twenty
0: bucks so no, got you back then. Now twenty bucks doesn't get you nothing these days. You can't uh.
1: get a no i feel bad i know i was talking about this with uh with my wife and like the we used to i used to be one of the only like when i was 16 i was one of my only friends with with a vehicle and mm-hmm. as when guys would come in they'd, they'd throw a loonie or a toonie in my ashtray and that would get me almost through the entire weekend because gas was like 32 cents a liter It was, it was glorious but now if someone gave you a dollar for gas money, I'd probably punch him, push them out of my out of my vehicle. <laughs> like it's just crazy. So before before we kind of let you go, I'd like to kind of hear you speak about uh, about St. John's because if we're gonna if we are ever gonna visit Newfoundland and St. John's, what what are some some destinations? What are some some bars and and places we can go have a good whiskey or like what would you recommend us seeing? And are they all located on George Street? <laughs>
0: yes, they're predominantly ninety percent of them located on Torch Street. That's where I worked for over ten years. Um Loved it. St. John's is a beautiful place to visit, a beautiful place to be from. Um there's best really two really good times to go visit. I always tell them. So if you wanna go for really touristy stuff, you wanna go around the last week of June. Uh sorry, around middle of June, and third week of June. Because that's when iceberg season is in. Whale washing season is in, the recreational cod fishery, lobster season, all that kind of stuff going around, around the third week of June or so. But, if you want to go for real, have a really good time on George Street, you want to go the last week of July, first week of August. Because that's when it goes to George Street Festival, which leads into the regatta, which leads into the blueberry festival, um, this uh, folk festival as well, so many good things. So, like, have you guys ever heard of George Street Festival or the regatta? I um, have
1: I have. No, I haven't. So
2: Well your wife is from Newfoundland. What part of Newfoundland is she? from? she's from Fort Mac, so the capital of Newfoundland. Oh there you go. There you <laughs> but yeah, no, her family's uh her dad's from the uh west coast, from Port of Port.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, so the regatta is is the is the first Wednesday of August weather permitting. So generally the the book the George Street Festival starts on a Tuesday night or Wednesday night and runs to the following Tuesday. And every night They close down the street. You pay a per-day fee to get on the street instead of a cover charge per bar. So you just get a bracelet. They they go on the street. Every night there's a different concert. Depends on what's going on. So the price is very good based on that. That leads to the the last Tuesday, the first Tuesday of August, which is the last night of of George Street Festival. Now, this is when everyone in town plays a game called Regatta Rules. So (laughs) Regatta is the first Wednesday of August Weather permitting, which means that if it's too windy or rainy, they will cancel it and postpone to the next nice day out. So that Tuesday night, everyone goes out and gets gets hammered and has a great time. Huh? Yeah, because it's a civic holiday if the regatta goes ahead. So they all wake up the next morning and at like 6 a.m. they make the announcement on the radio. If it's nice out, the regatta goes ahead. Everyone has a day off. If it doesn't go ahead, then everyone has to go to work.
1: Oh God, <laughs> that, that is
2: roulette.
0: As for like bars and, uh, and restaurants in St. John's, you know um, I do love the Adelaide Oyster House. They're one of my favorites. Uh, it's very loud. It's more of a restaurant than a bar, but they make great cocktails. Some of the best cocktail uh, bar in the entire city need hard props there. So I love that place. Uh, the Merchant Tavern is one of the classiest and most upscale restaurants you're going to find there, but a beautiful open concept bar and kitchen. I used to work there. I had, I had a cup of coffee there, I should say. Uh, for a brief period of time mm-hmm. but they are owned by the same people that own Raymond's which was at one point the best restaurant in Canada for like two to three years in a row oh uh, crazy a ownership group there phenomenal spot um again I've been gone for almost three years now so a lot of a lot has changed in St. John since I've gone but I've heard great things about number four cathedral down there as well um I'm trying to think now. Blue on Water is always great. The Gypsy Tea Room is always great to go visit as well. Um, yeah, some of those places. I'm so
1: basically, about. just go to George Street and just start walking indoors.
0: In between George Street, so it goes Water Street, George Street, and Duckworth Street. You're in about a three to four block radius in each way. Actually, we don't even have blocks back in St. John's. It's not like you can go go two blocks out, one block up. That's not the way it works. Okay. Ends are basically our streets. So. <laughs>
2: Yeah, just anywhere in that area, Water Street, Fourth Street,
0: and Duckwood Street are where all the main pubs are. Yeah, awesome. and Christian like, awesome. I love Christian we always call it the oldest pubs to St. John's. Uh, GreenSleeves. Um the Bull and Barrel is one of my favorites as well. Uh, it's a great little spot there. Tino, one of my
1: buddies. God bless you, buddy.
0: Um, yeah, it's so, a
1: awesome. great spot. No, that's cool. So, so to finish up the episodes, we like to. I like to sometimes do a, like a parting glass moment is what we like to consider it. Um, just basically just a simple message to kind of send the, send the show off to its conclusion. Um, and like, and maybe you can add to this, but like for me, it's, I just, I'd want people to don't, don't draw the line at just scotch and bourbon. Don't forget, especially us Canadians. Don't forget that we have great Canadian whiskey right in front of us and let's, let's pay some respects and pour and some of the spirit created in, in this awesome country of ours. I don't know if you if you got a little message for us to, to part off with.
0: Well, I will say a little cheers that I like to say sometimes at events. <laughs> that is a cheers I've been carrying for years, and I love saying it too. So forgive me if I slightly screw it up, but it goes on like: Some ships are good ships, and some ships are wood ships, and other ships sail the sea. But the best
1: ships are friendships ships. And may they ever be. So, Cheers to that. Cheers to that, guys. I love it. Thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, thank Thanks. you, Andrew. It was a true pleasure. I
0: had a lot of fun. Thank you so much for uh, for allowing me to join you guys. Good luck uh, with your new ventures. I know you're going to kill it. You're going to do great. You're excellent fellas. Easy to chat with. So thank you very
1: much. Yeah, we'll, we'll do this again for sure. I yeah. promise you that.
0: Awesome, buddy. Kay. Okay. Thank you very much.
1: Cheers, Andrew. Cheers.